where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at his name, Wyshynski. Greg, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I'm good, and good luck with that name, everybody. <laughs> W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Good call. Probably should have spelled that one out. Greg, I read you all the time. I can just spell the, the last name without even looking at it now, buddy. It's fun because, like, when I was a kid, like, my parents taught me to there, there should be a rhythm to my spelling my name, and I've taught that to my daughter. So, like, there's there's definitely ways to know it, but, I mean, look, if I had the foresight, it would have changed it to something a little bit easier for the telemarketers. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, listen, I have – my last name is Kylie, and people always assume that there's a Y instead of an I as the second letter, and then as yeah. I spell it for them, they, they still think that there's a Y. So we've all got our last name issues, Yeah, I Greg. mean, mine's Ferrario, Greg, and I've been asked <laughs> if my last name's Russian before. So, I mean, everyone has their own issues, right? Their own cross to bear. <laughs> All right, Greg, let's get into some hockey talk with you because there's actual real games that we finally have to break down again. Uh, In terms of the overall play, because you focus more nationally than we are able to here locally, have you noticed anything early on that is in a super, super early season trend, whether it be the style of play or the quality of play? Has there been anything that's really stood out to you over the first couple of nights of play? Well, definitely, you know, there's there's a certain amount of offensive uptick that I think we all anticipated with uh, the beginning of the season, the forwards and and uh, you know power play units being a bit ahead of where the defense and the goaltenders are. And we've seen that in some of these games. And in other games, it was a little bit uh, tighter, uh, tightly more tightly played. And in some cases, it was goalies standing on their heads. But you know, the, the two factors that I think we're all really trying to wrap our brains around, especially for me, who kind of dabbles in the hockey wagering space a little bit on the daily wager, is um, what these two-game homestand schedules are going to do. You know, the season is going to be a thing where you play the same team twice and then you move on to the next two-game series. And already we saw um, the Edmonton Oilers really bounce back in a significant way last night after losing their their, uh, opening game. Um, And is that going to be a trend that continues where you see uh, a lot of splits this season in those two-game series? And then the other thing, obviously, is we just have absolutely no idea what the impact of playing these games in empty arenas without fans is going to do for some teams that traditionally have strong home ice advantages thinking in particular about a team like San Jose or, or Vegas or places that are, are traditionally really tough to play, like over the course of a season, what does that end up looking like? Is there going to be any impact there? 
um, it's it's really hard to tell. It's it's an unprecedented setup. Boy, Greg, the more that you, you said that, the more I think about it. I mean, what kind of challenges that is that going to be? I guess challenges isn't the right word, but what kind of seasons are we going to be looking at? Is if we do see those splits throughout the year, and I know that might change, but I mean, I'm just thinking of a Canadian division right now, which there's only seven teams in and four make the postseason. But if you're going splits, I mean, we might see a lot of tiebreakers towards the end of this season. We could, and and I think that also as the season um, gets deeper, we're we're going to see such uh, such a premium on uh, teams that are trailing the playoff field, pulling off the sweep. I mean, you know, the based on the playoff format that, that we have, where it is the top four teams in each of these divisions advancing to the playoffs, no wild cards this season. Uh, you're you're looking at you know what eight point swing kind of situations in these in these series yeah. potentially. So like. It's 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 going to be fascinating to see. It really does change the dynamic uh, of these kinds of uh, of this setup. And you know, you, you look at a situation like tonight, for example, the Flyers and Penguins are playing the second game of their two game set. And you know, the Flyers are starting Carter Hart, and uh, and they're probably looking to really make a statement early, where you know they jump out to a, a, a four point lead over the uh, a team they're going to have to contend with probably towards the end of the season for the playoffs just by virtue of winning a couple games early on. Greg, we have a similar situation here with the Blues going up against Colorado tonight yeah. in Colorado and I mean, I, I totally understand why everybody was so high on the Avalanche coming into the season. They should have been, and they still should be after one game. It's one game, and it's 4-1 to one win for the Blues. It happens, right? Uh, however, the Blues looked really, really good in that first one against Colorado. If they are to win again tonight, do you think it shifts anything at all in, in the, the way that people view these two teams in this Honda West division, if you will? <laughs> well, I think it's – well, first of all, the statement tonight um, and the statement that you're looking for early on in the season from the Blues is from Jordan Bennington, who ended last postseason with his worst stretch as a pro and, uh, and had a really bad playoff by anybody's standards. Um, but, you know, he, he was a phenom in his first season. He was above average last season. I think the first two games to plant his flag and, and get two wins over Colorado would certainly be a declarative statement that in what is a critical year for him and a contract year, uh, that it's going to be a good run for him. And it's the kind of thing the Blues obviously want to see. But, you know, when it comes to statements about, about Colorado or, or about St. Louis in this division, I mean, you kind of cement. Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado in three playoff spots in this division. I think it's it's the easiest call of any of these divisions as far as the number of teams that we sort of know are going to be in the playoffs, barring disaster. And then you have you know Minnesota, San Jose, Arizona, other teams kind of jockeying for that fourth spot. So it, while it could be you know hey we're the alpha dogs, don't forget that we can we know how to win without Tarasenko and that kind of thing that maybe people have slept on after last season. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, these are the three teams that we know are going to make the playoffs are going to make the playoffs. And then, and then that's when those statements are going to be really made. You know, Greg, you look at teams throughout the NHL this season and you say, OK, what are their flaws and what are their strengths? And with the Blues, you know, there are a couple of areas that you can pick for the flaws. But I think the strength of this Blues team that everyone can agree upon is their depth. But I, when you when you talk about that, is this the deepest this Blues has been for since when you can remember? Possibly. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, the maturation of, of Robert Thomas probably does change the math in that a little bit now that he appears to be uh, ready to hold down, hold the fort on, on a second scoring line, for example. 
Um, they're depth players. I mean, you, we saw it in the opening night game. I mean, the fact that Barbashev and Clifford and those guys make the kind of difference that they make uh, to be able to beat the Colorado Avalanche four to one and not have a point from Ryan O'Reilly in that game and not have Mike Hoffman available for that game is a pretty impressive offensive feat. So yeah, from a depth perspective, a depth perspective, the forward group definitely def- the uh, defense group, even with the swap out of, of uh, Petrangelo and Krug. Um, is uh, is palpable. I think where they might lose the depth argument versus, say, the cup-winning team would be in goal because we, we just don't know what's behind Bennington. And, and you know, the loss of Jake Allen uh, due to, you know, probably cap concerns, I'm imagining, uh, yeah. does kind of change that equation a little bit uh, insofar as the depth and goal. But that'd be, that'd be the biggest concern for me insofar as, like, whether this is the deepest team that we've seen from them. Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN, joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Greg, you did mention Robert Thomas there, and he had just one of the best passes you'll see all year in that game <laughs> against Colorado. The one-hander through the legs of a defender to Schwartz, who passes it up to Sunquist, who ultimately puts it in the back of the net. It was incredible. And this kid is just, what, 21 years old now. Nationally, how is Robert Thomas viewed? I guess I'll ask more specifically. Greg, how do you view Robert Thomas? <laughs> I mean, I, I think he's been kind of percolating. You know, he's he's someone who has been, you know, clearly he's clearly blessed with with offensive ability. And you know, as someone who covered the Cup run and has covered the Blues a bit in the last you know two years, um, it was just a matter of of when he was going to earn the opportunity to be you know, a top, a consistent top six performer. Um, and he's getting there, you know, and, and it's funny, like you think about the class of rookies that were, uh, you know, amongst the blue chippers when they made the O'Reilly trade, and there was so much attention. You don't want to give up Cairo. You don't want to give up Thomas. Uh, they ended up giving up Thompson um, and, you know, increasingly looking like that was the right decision. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's interesting to see the split between Thomas and Cairo in the sense that like Thomas clearly, uh, appears like he's he's on a faster track professionally uh, right now. When you know back a couple of years ago, three years ago, you you might have thought that Kairou was the better yeah. prospect. To be candid, which doesn't mean he won't end up being the better player, but uh, it's clear that uh, uh, the developmental path of Thomas is is clearly ahead of him right now. Let me ask you about Kairou then, Greg, because this is a guy that I think a lot of people in St. Louis, and I'm sure you'll remember this name, are hoping that Kairou doesn't turn into Ty Ratty, who. <laughs> crushed it in the OHL. AHL was great, but never really could could hit his stride in the NHL. And we saw his game uh, in that first one against Colorado. But are we actually starting to look at Jordan Cairo, who can be a legitimate scoring threat in the NHL on a consistent basis? You hope so. Um, you know, development's a funny thing. I mean, you, you have the certain promise of, of where a guy is going to be in his development and on, on his track. And then, you know, maybe he doesn't necessarily hit his marks. And, and then you start to to wonder exactly what the future is going to hold. I mean, you know, the, the greatest example for Matt, for that, for me always with the blues is in the goaltending situation where Billy Huso was by far the more prized prospect, I think over Jordan Bennington than, you know, through injury and through opportunity for Bennington, obviously there's not even a conversation to be had about, uh, you know, who holds the crease. Um, so these things can change in a dime. A lot of it is very much just kind of 
making the best of the opportunities that you're given. And in Thomas's case, I think he's, he's certainly done that within the last three years. All I heard from you there, Greg, is that we should be very, very, yeah. very excited about Ville Husso now being the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Elite gold trophy winning goaltender for the Blues this upcoming season. Greg, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All the best to you and the family. And uh, next time we get on, I want to ask you about your – I was planning to do this today, but we ran out of time. I want to ask you about your pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the Cup and why you hate the St. Louis Blues. So we'll do that next Amen. time. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> it's uh, The column's on the site now. Go check it out. Uh <laughs> Uh, it is expertly argued and an airtight theory. <laughs> There's no way I could possibly argue against it. Greg, you're the best, man. We'll talk with you soon. Anytime. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.